Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them with me to the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12. And I want to share with you something that I believe is critically important to every believer. I'll give you my title in just a moment. And for the sake of time, I'll go straight to verse 4. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him, but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David was greatly angered, aroused, and said to Nathan, as this man lives, the man who has done this, he shall surely die. He will restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing, because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. And I'll stop reading right there. I, I want to share with you something today that I pray you will always remember, maybe take some notes. It's a simple message, but it's one that will help you walk in victory. How many of you are interested in walking in true freedom and victory? Absolutely. I believe that. So let me tell you what was taking place. I didn't have time to read it, so I'm just going to sum it up, and then I'm going to talk to you about what the Lord's laid on my heart for this service. Nathan the prophet confronted David about the, the uh, adultery that he had committed with Bathsheba. He had that assignment from God, but he didn't just go straight into the throne room and say, you've done this and you've done that. But he knew that the way to reach David was to approach him with a kingdom story. And so he went in and he said, I want to tell you a story, David. And David said, what kind of story? And he said, a story about a shepherd and a story about sheep. And he knew that David was a shepherd at one time in his life. And so he leaned in and he said, let me hear it. He's a powerful king. He's a mighty king. And here comes this prophet. And he starts telling this story. He said, there are three main characters in the story, David. There's a rich man, and he owns sheep without number. He has so many sheep that he has to hire shifts of shepherds to come in and watch over the thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands of sheep in his herds that he personally owns. And then there's a poor man that lived in the same city. There's a rich man, he's got sheep without number, and there's a poor man, and the Bible said in this chapter that they only had one lamb. This family was so poor, they only had one lamb. And the lamb was not like a farm animal in the barn, but your Bible said that they kept the lamb in the house as a pet. They loved this precious lamb. It was precious to this family. It goes into great detail the scripture said that it ate at their table. When they sat down at the table and ate, 
they had a little, I hope it wasn't at the actual table. I hope at least they had it by the table, but I don't, I'm just going by what the Bible said. Bible said it slept in their beds. I don't know if that is meaning at the foot of the bed or maybe it slept on the end where the kids were at the end of the bed. It's very obvious the Bible goes to great detail to make us understand this was more than a, a barnyard animal. This was a pet that was precious, a part of the family to that poor man. They didn't have money. They didn't have nothing prestige like the rich man. They had a precious lamb and it really meant something to him. And then there's the third character. And this is where I've been trying to get to. The third character he introduces us to in the text that I read, and there came a traveler. I want to talk about the traveler. I want to, I want to talk about how dangerous the traveler is. And yet, if you can control that traveler, you can win victory in every area of your life. The Bible said that the traveler came and he came to the rich man's house. And this is important to understand. They had something called the law of hospitality back in those days. Even Moses talks about it in, in, in some of the first books of the Bible. And it was understood in the Middle East, they didn't have restaurants. They didn't have, uh, you know, places where they could get supplies. And if someone was traveling through a desert hot region, it was required of people to, to either do one of two things. You could, if a traveler came and said, I need help, I've come a long ways and I've got a long ways to go, would you help me? You could, you could do one of two things. You could fix them supplies and give them a jug of water and give them some bread and some, some, whatever you had that could help them and send them along their way. They're coming all the time. You could, you could deal with it that way and just tell the traveler to keep on traveling and give them the supplies that they need. Or you could bring them in to your house sit them down at the table, feed them, sometimes even invite them if they're sick or whatever to stay and stay for days and feed them and take care of them. And behold, there came a traveler to the rich man's house. And up until this point, it's a good story, but the rich man does something very strange. He invites the traveler into his home, and this is where everything changes. And when he invites the traveler into his home, the Bible said that he did something to me that is unbelievable. Instead of sending his servant out into the field and picking one of the sheep from the thousands and thousands of, uh, of sheep that he had and owned, he sent his armed um, servant to the poor man's house. They burst through the door. They snatch up that one pet precious lamb to that family. And I could almost see them with their swords drawn and threatening the whole family and the poor man and his family. They, they don't have power. They, don't, they can't fight this powerful man. And so he takes the poor man's lamb and brings it home and slays it and roasts it and feeds it to the traveler. Cooked it and fed it to the traveler. And when David heard this story, you just read it, 
The Bible said he was absolutely enraged out of his mind. He said, you tell me who did this thing, and he'll pay fourfold for what he's done. How in the world could he take, when he had so much, take what, what, what this guy had almost nothing, something so precious from him, and feed it to a traveler? And in that moment, the prophet points his little bony finger at David and says, you're the man. That's exactly what you did. You had wife, you had home, you had palace, you had power, and you took another man's wife. And the story ended, or the story changed when the traveler entered the picture. If he had just told the traveler to keep on traveling, instead of inviting him into his home, then all of the trouble that the rich man would then go through would have never happened if he wouldn't have brought the traveler in and fed him. And here's the point. The traveler represents evil thoughts, carnal thoughts, depressing, un, um, unbelieving thoughts, thoughts of fear, thoughts of disaster, thoughts of of sin, thoughts of temptation. They're constantly passing through. We can't stop them, but we don't have to invite them in and feed them. And I've come today to preach, beware of the traveler. If I had another title, I'd say, tell the traveler to keep on traveling. Constantly, we're, the problem is when you take the traveler in and you begin to feed him, you begin to nourish him. Beware of the traveler traveler. Don't feed those evil thoughts. Starve them out. The battleground for the mind is raging. There's an all-out attempt by Satan, the prince and the power of the air, to siege the minds of this generation. He's planning his thoughts of rebellion, his thoughts of lust, his thoughts of depression, his thoughts of drunkenness and drugs and violence and mayhem in the minds of millions. There's an interesting scripture. Bible said, God said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau, who is a, listen to the word, profane man, I have hated. The word profane in the Hebrew language means to be open, or he, one translation said, he, his mind was open like a thoroughfare, like a freeway. And God said, I hate that. I hate it when you're so open-minded to anything that's passing by that you take it in, that you have no guard up, that you don't guard your thoughts, you don't guard your mind, you, don't, you feed any thought that comes at you that your flesh likes. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the end time and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and how that the mark of the beast will be placed on the foreheads of the followers of the Antichrist. He'll place his mark on their forehead, and I believe that's symbolic of the fact that he's after the minds of the final generation. The predominant spirit that we will fight in the last days is a spirit that wants to manipulate and control completely our thinking. This is what the Bible says about the last days. Jesus himself taught this lesson, and he said, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be when the Son of Man comes again. What was the predominant thing about the days of Noah? This is the description Genesis gives. 
They were vain in their imaginations, listen to this, and their thoughts were only evil continually. In other words, they were filling their minds, filling their hearts, filling their spirits with evil, ungodly imaginations, and their thoughts were only evil continually. It was a thoroughfare. Whatever that world wants to send my way, I'm wide open. Come on in. There's no guard up. There's no guarding of the, of the mindset. Beware of the traveler. With the advance of technology, Satan has issued new orders to corrupt the minds of an entire generation through the internet, through movies, through music, through sensuality. He's, there is a constant diet that is being served, and their thinking was evil continually, the text said. A barrage of evil thoughts are coming at us constantly. We cannot be neutral. I thought about not only does, and you never hear anybody preach about this. We hear a lot about the mark of the beast and how he's marking the minds and after the minds. But there's another verse in there about the end times. And there will be 144,000 Jews that will be converted during the great tribulation. And this is the description the Bible says about them. It said that in the last days, God shall put the name of the Lamb on the forehead of those 144,000. I think what he's saying is, I'm going to put the name on their brain so that it doesn't matter how much evil's going on out here. The filter of anything getting inside is you, they've got a name on their brain. You know what that name is? Jesus. And run every thought through that filter called Jesus. The name on the brain will be a filter, will be a screen of every negative, evil, sensual, doubtful thought that the enemy tries to plant in our minds. In the Old Testament, the high priest would wear a miter. It's spelled M-I-T-E-R. It's a hat. It was a hat. Anybody got a hat? Anybody got a hat? I meant to get one for a prop. Can I borrow your hat? And, 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 and thank you, sir. Let me see which team. I don't know if I want to use it or not. But, but it's neutral. But, 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 but every day the high priest, if he was to go into God's presence, he had a hat. And you know what the hat said? It actually tells you in the Bible. It said it was written on that hat, holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. He had to put the hat of holiness on. And when he walked into the presence of God... He was saying, I've got God on my mind. I've got the name on my brain. If ever there was a time we needed to get up every day and the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is put on the hat of holiness and say, today, I'm going to think clean. I'm going to live clean. I'm going to guard my life. I'm going to guard negative stuff. I'm going to guard against fear and depression and lies of the enemy. I got the hat of holiness on. How's that illustration? Give him a big hand. Praise God. Turn to somebody and say, cover your head with holiness. We're living in a time when we need to get up every morning and put on the hat of holiness. Philippians 4 said, whatsoever things are pure, just, lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, 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 think on these things. Renew your mind. Watch that thought life. Guard, don't be a thoroughfare. God said, I hate 
I hate Esau because he's profane, meaning he's so open-minded his brains have fallen out. Romans 8 said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. David said, thou anointest my head with oil. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's a shepherd terminology. The shepherd herder understood the importance of the head of the sheep being anointed with oil. Symbolic of you and I are the sheep of his pasture. And the reason that they would anoint the head of the sheep is because flies would come and lay their eggs in the ears and in the nose. This is a fact. You can look this up. And if it was not dealt with, if oil was not poured on as a repellent, those eggs would hatch and become so such an irritant to those sheep that many times they would go insane, they would go crazy, they would they were they would be irritated because there was eggs and lava inside of their head going on deep inside of their ears. Well, the Bible calls Satan in the New Testament Beelzebub. And then he defines what that means, Lord of the flies. And guess what he's trying to do? He's trying to plant his eggs of doubt and unbelief and temptation and deception into every mind. And that's why we need to have our heads anointed with oil. Because when you get your head anointed with oil and you're thinking straight and you got a name on your brain, and you know, in the Old Testament, they would anoint the lube of the right ear. That's that, that part right there. They would anoint the thumb of the right hand, and they would anoint the big toe of the right foot. And what a lesson. I got a whole sermon on this I used to preach. And I'm going to preach it right now in two seconds. And here it is. They would put blood, and then they would put anointing right here, right here, and, and you can't see it, but on my big toe. What, what is that about? If you're a priest, if you, if you belong to God, and we're new covenant in the priesthood, you got to have, this represents anointed, anointed thought life. I guard what comes in. I've got an anointed thought life. And this represents anointed work life. That anything I put my hand to and build and work, it's for the glory of God. And I have the anointing in my thought life, in my work life, and in my walk life. The big toe is the walk. I, I, I may fall and stumble. The traveler may get me sometimes, but I don't let stuff get in my walk. It's one thing to fall to sin. It's another thing when you're hunting it down and chasing it. Let me put it to you like I feel like preaching. You, don't, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you don't have to let him build a nest and hatch his eggs in your head. You got to have an anointed thought life and work life and walk life. Don't let it get in your walk. Take a praise break and I'll keep on preaching. I, I, I guess what I'm preaching is the all of the anointing repels the flies, repels the lies, repels the temptations, repels the power of the enemy to overcome you. Everything comes, like even, even when you leave here, the devil, he'll, here comes the traveler, and he'll say, get, get high today, get drunk today, and if you take him in and feed him, that's what'll happen. The Holy Spirit has the power to repel depression, repel addiction, repel. I still believe that the gospel works. 
I still believe that what Jesus did is right. It is written. It is written. It is written. And when you do that, you begin to win. Well, that takes a lot. You really got to get in that book. Well, if you'd spend half the time in this book that you spend talking to people and whining to people about your problem, and they can't fix it. Now, see, I'm trying to be sweet today, dressed up and everything, and, and, and I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. When, when David slew Goliath, he hit him with a stone. You know, when you come to church, the anointing will hit your, your, your problem and knock him down. But then he had to take the sword and cut his head off. He knew that Goliath was not defeated until I take the thinking of the enemy out of my life. And he put it on a, put it, took it back and put it up on a sword and said, look what the Lord has done. I don't think like that anymore. And that does that thinking, because you remember he would walk out there every morning and he would say, yeah, 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 trash talk, the people of God. And if you get, if you allow that voice, you have to cut the head of the giant off. Daily, the high priest would go to the brazen altar. He had one commandment from God, keep the fire burning. But then he would do something, the Bible said, every morning. He had something called the firebox, and he would sweep the ashes out of the fire that burned 24 hours a day nonstop. He had to clean out the firebox. And the way he did that was he had to sweep out the ashes because if the ashes keep accumulating, they'll choke the fire out. And so they understood that the ashes accumulate to choke the fire out. I think that speaks of renewing of the mind. And every morning, the high priest did two things. He put logs on the fire, but he also swept out the old burned past experiences. And that's what we have to do every day. We are to renew our mind and sweep the ashes. The ashes represent the renewing of the mind. The ashes represent past sins that choke the fire out or evil communications that are coming at us. And if we start feeding them, they start choking the fire out. Yesterday's memories, the person who does not sweep the ashes out grows colder and colder and colder. If you're not renewing your mind, how do you do that? Instead of listening to the radio, put some worship on on the drive-in. You're, renew you're sweeping the ashes out. In instead of, you know, just listening to people, get you some iPods at work or something. And when you go for lunch and are you going for a walk, listen to the word. You know what you're doing? You're sweeping the ashes out that are killing the fire and you're feeding the fire of God. Renew the mind in worship. Renew the mind in word. Re re renew the mind. Carnal thinking must be swept out. Every believer's got to get back in this fight. You got to have a flame in your temple. Well, how do you feed the traveler? Can I, can I give you quickly a conclusion to this little sermon? Are you getting something out of this? The Bible said, watch how David fed the traveler, that when the kings went to war, he stayed home. He had a civilian spirit when he should have had a king's rising up to go to war. In other words, when it says, when the kings went to war, David stayed home, 
It simply means, he said, a civilian spirit says, let someone else fight. Let someone else pray. Let somebody else read the Bible. You do it, preacher, and come in here on Sunday, and once a week, I'll come and let you preach to me. But I've got a civilian spirit the rest of the week, and you won't win many battles. And the problem is, when the kings went to war, you have to get up every day and put on the whole armor of God and the helmet of salvation, and you have to guard your thought life. But when David, when, 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 when they went to war, David was in his bedroom, watch him, walks out on the balcony, he looks down, and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. I mean, her name is a hint, Bath-she. He sees a UFO, an unclothed female object, and suddenly, suddenly, instead of fighting, he starts falling. He never considered how far a thought led to lust, lust led to adultery, adultery led to murder because he killed the woman's husband to cover stuff up, murder led to, and I, I did a study one time, he broke all 10 of the commandments. He dishonored his parents. He bore, he bore false witness against Uriah. We could go on and on and on, all of them, but it all started with a thought. And here's the point. Here's how he fed him. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. When the kings were going to war, he wasn't in the battleground. He was in the bedroom. And he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. All the enemy's got to do to get you to feed the traveler is get you in the wrong places. There's some places the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to go and be in the midst of. Temptation is the devil looking through the keyhole. Yielding to temptation is you opening the door and saying, come on in. And when you're in the wrong place, I've, I've used this illustration so many times. A blind man can beat you up. If he wants to, all he's got to do is turn the lights out. You're on his turf. He knows that world. And when you're on the enemy's turf, so where are you going? What are you getting around? Give me five more minutes. Because this is too good. See, y'all get, getting... No, 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 no. Five more minutes. Start playing in five minutes. <laughs> David lost control of his thought life because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, it'll be a whole lot easier to do this thing if you just stay away from the wrong people and the wrong places and the wrong crowd. Just, 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 just make up your mind. Second thing is, you know, he looked at her. He looked at her, and he kept on looking. And then he started inquiring, who is she? You read the story, who is she? Well, well what are you doing on Facebook asking, you're a married man. You're a married man. Don't go any further than that. Don't keep looking. Don't keep flirting. Don't keep talking. Get as far away from that as you can get. Don't feed the traveler. Tell the traveler to keep on track. Well, 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 they show me a lot of attention. I know, and you have to shut the door to that stuff. 
In Matthew chapter 6, it says, take heed what you see. Jesus said that. He said, don't allow your eyes to just wonder because anywhere your little beady eyes will wonder, your body will follow. Jesus said, if the, if the eye is filled with light, then the whole body is filled with light. But if the eye is filled with darkness, the whole body is filled with darkness. I want you to understand that the priest had to open three gates every morning. The opening of the gates speaks concerning our temple, which is the body. At the temple in the Old Testament, there were three gates, the outer, the inner, and, and, and the Holy of Holies. And every morning, he controlled the gates. There are three gates that you have to control, the eye gate, the ear gate, and the mouth gate. And every day of your life, you can't just leave it up to whatever comes by. Oh, yeah, come on in, come on in. You, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the eye gate has to be guarded. And the ear gate, what are you listening to? It has to be guarded. And the mouth gate, what are you speaking and what are you taking in for out of the abundance of the heart? The mouth speaks. And you can't speak something outwardly that's not being fed inwardly. I'm almost done, but can I preach a few more minutes? I got a good ending to it. It's tight, but it's right. <laughs> Beware of the traveler. I once heard about a story of a man who saw a dead snake, or he thought, in the field, the farmer. And you've probably heard this story, and he, he reached down and realized that it looked dead. It had been run over and in bad shape but he, he did see a little wiggle in it. And so he said, well, it must be alive, but he wasn't afraid of it. It's bleeding, looks so bad. He took it home and fed it and, and nurtured it and, and took care of it. And he'd reach in there and take care of it every day. And one day he reached in, took it out like he had done so many times and it bit him. And his hand began to swell up. And he realized it's a poisonous snake and I'm dying. He said, snake, why did you bite me? He said, you knew I was a snake when you brought me in your house. You know it's a snake when you're playing with it. You know it's a snake when you're looking at it. You know it's a snake when you're flirting with it. You know it's a snake. I'll skip that. <laughs> but here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was crucified. You're good. Guess where he was crucified? The place of the skull. Golgotha, and then you in every Bible that you read, it has in parentheses the place of the skull. Because Jesus understood you're not going to get victory just by walking down here and saying, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Ultimately, victory doesn't come until you plant a cross in the place of the skull. And you have a crucified thought life. You have a, brain, a name on your brain, a filter. The Bible said, in Ephesians, taking captive every thought 
that exalts itself above the knowledge and the truth of this book. I don't care how clever it sounds. I don't care how sweet it sounds. Taking captive every thought. Don't feed the traveler. Beware of the traveler. What thoughts are you allowing in right now? The the enemy will come and say, y'all just aren't getting right. Y'all aren't getting along. Just get a divorce. Just get a divorce. Don't let that traveler get in. Don't let that lie get in. Don't let that enemy get in. You're not going to make it. God's not faithful. Don't feed that traveler. You're just depressed. You're going to be depressed. No, no, no. I'm not going to feed the traveler. You know what I hear? I believe that God has the greatest blessings. He's designed for our life, not behind us, but ahead of us. But it's going to be according to those who understand how to think God's thoughts, no matter what you're facing. Put on the hat of holiness. Walk in a filthy, dirty world and say, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And and listen, I can't help it. They're always coming. Every once in a while, you're going to think something you shouldn't. You're going to let, let's don't pretend like we're all that. I'll tell you what you are. You're you're human, and that's why every morning you got to renew, sweep the ashes out, start all over. And if you read this book, you'll be amazed that just, just when the enemy thinks he'll send a little temptation, but you read a scripture that day. They said, oh, 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 that's what that's about. Satan, get thee behind me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Let me get my, let me get my hat of holiness on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.